Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of My Boomer Buddies Podcast, where we tell it like it was and is. We dip into the past sometimes just to make new memories. I'm Rick Reed. I'm the host. Today, really a good day. Uh, This podcasting world is fun for an old retired guy like me. Today, we have Trevor J. Brown. He is the founder and president of Inherent Dream, and he had me on his one of his podcasts, the Trevor J. Brown Show. He's such a great interviewer, and we just had a good time, and I had so many positive responses from being on his show. Well, I'm glad he's on our show now. Trevor, welcome to my Boomer Buddies podcast. Rick, it's so great to see you, and uh, it's a pleasure joining you here on uh, on Boomer Buddies. You may see how young he is. And say he's not a boomer. He's not a boomer, but I don't care. His parents were boomers. Yeah. And I, first of all, before we talk about your parents, who are really cool, let's talk about your podcast, your network, how you got started, and then we'll get into the other topics. Well, thanks again for for having me, Rick. Uh, so I grew up. My mom told told me stories about how like I was infatuated with like no, local news people, and I would dress up as them and pretend to be like Paul Majors uh, when I was a kid. So I really like guys like Paul Majors who did the news in the Twin Cities when I was growing up. And on the national scale, I'm a big fan of like Tom Brokaw and guys like Peter Jennings and Dan Rather. And they were just guys that did the news and they were respected. And I also enjoyed a lot of radio stuff. I remember the old love line days with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. And <laughs> those were before, you know, podcasts, obviously, but I remember listening to stuff like that and loving sports and basketball and football and hearing play by play and guys like Marv Albert and Kevin Harlan. I wanted to get into radio and I decided after high school that I was going to go to study radio broadcasting Went to Brown, met some great people along the way, graduated and started my career in radio. And for the most part worked here in the twin cities market. I worked for some bigger stations, some smaller stations, And I did everything from being on the air, having a sports talk show, uh, a regular opinion-based show. I was a DJ. I spun music. I did sports play-by-play for local high schools. But at the end of the day, you realize there's not a whole lot of money in this. There's We're not necessarily paying the bills. So I kept doing that part-time, but then I sort of hopped into the corporate world. And that's where we met at a different advertising agency and worked on and off there for you know seven eight years and it was it was good and then left there and worked in staffing for a long time and management and when i was working with you at the advertising agency i wanted to keep my like one foot in the door with with radio and I decided, hey, you know, this podcast thing, it's starting to become kind of popular. This was like 2014, 2015. What if I started doing this myself? And I decided to start a show at the time called Another Round with Trevor Brown. And it was pretty much just on SoundCloud and a website that I started. And we had people like our mutual friend, Mark Stone. Yeah. Come on. And, uh, you know, we talk football and. This was like 2015, 2016. So we're talking presidential election and news and and all of that stuff. And we'd get 30, 40, 50 of our closest friends to 
tune in coworkers and they check it out and they'd be like, Hey, that was really cool. That was a good show. And, and all of that. And that was a lot of fun, but it wasn't a full-time thing. So technically inherent dream, my company started in 2015, but it unofficially started in 2015. It wasn't registered. It was just kind of a side hustle. And I did that all the way up until last year when I thought, you know what? I, I want to do something full-time uh, podcasts, music, art, photography, books, and film. I was always inspired by not only media people like Paul Majors and broadcasters and different radio celebrities, but I have a strong appreciation, obviously, for like Paul McCartney. Because yes, Paul McCartney is a Beatle. He's a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. But he also does art and he's involved in all of these other things. And a guy like Tom DeLong from Blink-182, yes, he's a rock star. He's in Blink-182. He's in Angels and Airwaves. But he also has directed movies and he has written books. And my goodness, he has chased UFOs. Like he, Tom DeLong, <laughs> Rick, is like involved in breaking all of this stuff down for the government with UFOs. Yes, Tom DeLong, like a, a music star. So my whole point with this company is there's not just one lane of everything. Like we don't just do podcasts. I don't just do music. I want to do it all. I want to do the podcast. I make music. I produce music. We have a film script. I, I, I want to make a film one day produce major motion pictures like all of that is is in the pipeline so as of late 2022 i got inherent dream officially registered quit my day job hopped in full force hopped into the deep end of the pool head first and started the podcast network and now we have a local morning show and the trevor j brown show which you were on which has some longer form interviews and uh some some other content in development as well so uh it's it's been a wild ride and I've met a lot of really cool people along the way in the last year, but to see where this was when it started in 2015 and to where it was when it started officially at the tail end of 2022, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Well, I, for one, I'm proud of you. We were both managers at that advertising agency and we would take a little time out of the day, you know, to, just to get our sanity back and talk some music and, uh, I can remember in the early days, you'd be in the, the back parking lot in your little car with Mark Stone doing football picks. Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, friends out there watching and listening, uh, the Trevor J. Brown show and all of his his things under Inherent Dream are worth checking out. Go to InherentDream.com, your website, and, and take a look at what he has to offer. He's in a, a northern town north of the Twin Cities, and he does like an old-fashioned radio morning broadcast with news. He has sponsors, news, weather, uh, local stories. It's like a, a time capsule. It's just beautiful to all the boomers out there listening. It's probably the best way I can describe that show. The The local flavor of it is really, really nostalgic to me. I want to know, you're not a boomer, but you know boomer music like nobody's business. You're a big fan of the Beatles. I, I'm sure they came from your boomer parents. Do you want to maybe fill us in about how you got interested in the Beatles and old music. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if this story makes me seem like I'm an idiot or what, but honestly, growing up, we were we were sort of old fashioned. Like, I don't know if people do this anymore, but my dad would, my mom worked from home. 
she had a job where she got to work from home like before the COVID days. She was a medical transcriptionist and my dad worked for, for Hennepin County for many years. And he would go out and work and then he'd come home and by four thirty, five o'clock, my mom would have dinner on the table. And most nights of the week, it was common that we would eat around the, the, the table as, as a family. And it was the old, oh, how was your day? What's going on? What's new? All of that. Well, we always had a kitchen radio and mm-hmm. growing up when you're five, six, seven years old, you just, you don't understand what's new music and what's old music. You just listen to whatever your parents put on. Well, that kitchen radio always had an oldie station on. So it was always fifties and sixties and early seventies. And you would hear stuff like the Beatles and the beach boys and the Everly brothers and buddy Holly and the who, and the best of the best. And I didn't know if it was new music or if it was old music or whatever the heck it was, it was just good. And that's how my love of all of that stuff came up. And then as you get to be a little bit older, you start looking into stuff a little bit more and, you're like, wow, this music actually means something. Like I, I didn't grow up in that time, obviously, but in a way, when I listen to that music, I feel like I did because those songs have, I have some emotional connection to them somehow. And I, I again, I didn't grow up during the sixties when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, when JFK was assassinated, when uh, there was the civil rights movement going on, when a man landed on the moon, like all of these huge things happening in america in the 60s i wasn't even close to being alive yet but i listened to those songs and it sort of transports me to that that time that era and i feel something and there's good artists out today rick i mean there's good music today i'm not gonna poop poo poo on on bands today but the impact the power i feel like a lot of artists that are even very popular today they're not saying anything Mm-hmm. But back in the sixties, there were a lot of, a lot of bands, even if they were like one or two hit wonders, they were still saying something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that to me is, is why that type of music will never be beat. And you mentioned a little bit ago, Sir Paul McCartney. I know you're a huge fan of his, not only for his music, the impact he's had, but he's a businessman too. And he obviously has dreams and he's realized a lot of those dreams and, you you're doing your dreams right now and that's fantastic and friends and family help you and support you but you need to get that word out somehow um paul has that way to do it i have to compliment you because you are really working your butt off all the time yeah i'm I'm retired now and I, i sit in my little studio and i dream up stuff and everything but you're actually going out and showing everybody else how to do this and we appreciate that. So I want to talk about the Beatles now. Paul McCartney in particular. What made Paul be your favorite Beatle? Well, I think there's multiple aspects of it. I mean, obviously you take all four of them as as the Beatles. It was, if I had to describe it to somebody, if they were living under a rock and they know nothing and you had to describe the Beatles to them, it's like a super group before there was even that term super group and it wasn't formed as a super group, but it turned to be a super group. Mm-hmm. Like you have the greatest yin and yang of all time and Lennon and McCartney and they complemented each other so well in their songwriting because they were so different. 
Mm -hmm. I think for me, the reason why McCartney is my favorite is part of it's one that I, I wish didn't happen, obviously, with Lennon being killed. Lennon didn't get to have as big of a solo career as as Paul um, because he was murdered in, in 1980. And he was just starting to come back with with Double Fantasy. And, and that album was just so massive. And and then he was gone. And he didn't have that that window to have a longer career where McCartney did McCartney's still with us. If not talking about the tragedy side of things, McCartney also is a brilliant man in terms of marketing. You look mm -hmm. at a lot of the stuff that the Beatles did. Sergeant Peppers was sort of his brainchild, his baby where it really, yeah, there, the change of the Beatles started before Sergeant Peppers, but that was sort of the, the culmination of everything. And who, who thinks of like these ideas of like, okay, we're going to be the Beatles, but we're going to kind of be this fake band. And we're going to, uh, have, have these wacky outfits and totally change. Like the, the total image of the Beatles changed. When you look at what they were doing in 1963 and then what they look like in 1965. And then when Sergeant Pepper dropped in 67, totally different. And the, the album cover, so cool on Sergeant Peppers with all of these different cutouts and all of these different celebrities. And then you want to talk about the mastery of marketing. You have Sergeant Peppers, which it has all these colors and all of these textures and all of these feels. And then in 1968, here comes the white album and the white album drops and it's nothing on the cover besides it just says the Beatles. So you have all of these textures and colors and, everything on Sgt. Pepper's and then you have the complete opposite of it on the white album. And that's just genius. And, and part of that, it's not just McCartney. I get it when we're talking about the Beatles, but you know, marketing wise, he, he, you look at him and I've been into listening to wings a lot lately, Rick. And I think the guy was already a beetle. Like he's not going to top that. But he had the guts to go out and be like, you know what? I'm going to do the band thing again. And if he was just a member of Wings and he was never a Beatle, that would be a pretty damn good career yeah. on its own. Absolutely. But he was also a Beatle. It's like you, in a way, I I think, man, it's, how do you top that? But he had the guts to do it and say, you know what? I'm going to roll up my sleeves and uh, I'm going to do the band thing again. And uh, he did it. And he had no apologies for it. Yeah. Wings was pretty damn good yeah uh they had denny and jimmy on there uh what i don't know maybe you know more about it than i did his, his wife was there was she did she have any musical talent you'd see her on the keyboard or was she there for support her vocals were they were they good outside of the studio i don't know much about that end of it can you throw me in with any information? Yeah. I mean, I think Linda, it's more, I don't know the ins and outs of, of her musical training and everything. I think Linda got better as the band went along. I think when McCartney first went solo, Linda was there because he, you know, he loved her. Sure. You know? And it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And you know, people like Linda and Yoko took so much crap from people but the one thing that I'll say is I give John a lot of credit because he loved Yoko. And 
I, you know, I get it. If we, if they could go back in hindsight and they could say, look, fellas, this is where if Brian Epstein didn't die and, and he was still manager, he would have probably pulled all the fellas aside and said, Hey, look, you know what? I get it. But when we're in the studio, you, I mean, you can love, you can, you can love your gals, whatever. But when we're in the studio, we're four dudes. We're going to come in and we're going to work and your ladies can sit on the outside of the studio or they can not come. It's as simple as that. But Lennon loved Yoko and Paul loved Linda. Uh, I read a story recently in a Beatles book about Wings' first tour. And Wings, on their first tour, Paul didn't want to play huge places. Mm -hmm. He knew he could play huge places because he was McCartney. I mean, he was a member of the Beatles. But on this first Wings tour, he played no Beatles stuff. He made really no reference to being a Beatle. So they packed up in their van as a band and they would drive to these different universities around the UK and guy would go in and he would talk to, you know, student president or whoever on campus and say, Hey, uh, we're wondering if we could play a, a show here tonight. Uh, Paul McCartney and his new band would like to play. And the, you know, whoever they're talking to, there's like, yeah, right. They're like, well, somebody wants to talk to you in the van. And the guy would go outside and then they'd roll over. They'd, they'd open up the side van door and there's Paul McCartney smoking a cigarette or whatever. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, well, we'd like to play. And that first tour was, I, I don't know how Paul would describe it, but it was in a way kind of a disaster. It was very piecemeal together. It wasn't mm -hmm. as big as, as what, what it, it, it could have been. But on one of those nights on that opening tour, they were having problems with some of their microphones and Paul announced into one of the microphones that was working. Hey, um, we're having a problem with one of these mics. One of these mics isn't working. And somebody yelled from the crowd, why don't you give it to your wife? And I'm like, yikes, that's mean to say, like, mm -hmm. give her the mic that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But there are moments in wings discography where you listen and you're like, wow, that works like you listen to silly love songs like linda is really hitting some nice harmonies there with paul um there's a part of a song and i don't know the ins and outs of who played what on on each studio record so if somebody comes back and says well she didn't even play it on this song but i'm pretty sure she did there's a track on band on the run called mamonia yeah and i love that song like it's one of my favorite wing songs and the keyboard solo at the synth solo at the end of that song is awesome. And on most wing songs, she plays keys. So I'm assuming that that's her on that song. And if it is, that is a, a great piece of music by her. So I think like her musical training, obviously she's not Paul McCartney, but I think as she went along with wing, she got more confident in, in what she was doing. Because she had support from Paul, obviously. Thanks for sharing what you know about that. Yes, Wings, fabulous. On their own, they would have been just top-notch, not even knowing of the Beatles. One more question I want to ask you that's Beatle-related. George Harrison, he had to be, and we've talked about this before, he was so underrated back then. And right now, just off the top of your head, if you could pick a Beatles George Harrison song that was a favorite, what would it be? For for Beatles or solo? Beatles. I know solo is a whole different ball, ball of wax, but for the Beatles, what what comes into your mind? I love the song Long, Long, Long 
off the white album. And I think part of the reason why I love it is it shows one only he's a great songwriter, Mm -hmm. but it's the, the, the dynamics on that record are so great because the track before that's Helter Skelter. So you get this kick butt rock song, like metal before there was metal Beatles, like, wow, like turn it up. Your, your ears are going to bleed. Right. And then after that song, you get into this nice, delicate ballad, gorgeous guitar playing by George. And uh, I I think for me, like, obviously he has some incredible songs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, something while my guitar gently weeps on, on the, on, on also on the white album, but on a lot of those, like I've, I've heard those songs so many times and I'm not taking anything away from those songs. I love those songs, but I like some of the deeper cuts more because I'm mm-hmm. like, man, all right. There's also a song where it's like, all right, songwriting wise, it's not, it's not anywhere close to something. It's not anywhere close to while my guitar gently weeps, but blue Jay way off of magical mystery tour. It's so different you listen to that song on headphones and everything that's going on. It's uh it's a pretty trippy song. <laughs> yeah. George over time has become one of my all time go-tos. I just love his stuff. Let and- me ask you this, Greg, is, is he on your Mount Rushmore of guitar players? I would say yes, just for what he did. We can get into the technical thing. And I think we've touched on that again, but for what he did for the business, commercially and everything and and what he exposed to future guitar players yeah he could be on there easily yeah that's a good question okay a rabbit hole that i want you to go down next time we talk covers the beatles had a lot of people cover their songs and covers don't always exceed or even come close but i've got a cover i want you to check out Okay. You heard of Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66? I have not. I'll send you a link. I want you to listen to them doing Fool on the Hill. Okay. They had kind of a, a Brazilian music sound. It's jazzy. You know, it, it's hard to describe, but in 1966, it was really cool music. You know, the instruments they used, the, the Latin rhythms and all that. But they do a really nice job on their end. His lead singer, I think it's pronounced Lanny Hall, is captivating when you watch her. And just the way the guys in the band move, they're just cool. Yeah. Uh, but Lanny Hall ended up marrying Herb Alpert. You've heard of him. Okay. Oh, yeah. Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. So go down that rabbit hole. I want you to check that cover out. It's pretty doggone good. Okay. I'm, next- op- I'm open to checking it out, and I will check it out. I'm just, I'm very anti- Beatles cover and there's certain other artists too where look honey if you want to try to sing Aretha I'm not saying you can't I mean this is America you can do what you want I'm so glad you said that because I know you feel that way give this one a shot okay and I want your reaction (laughs) I, I know Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends and all that stuff but this this is really special it's really special the way they took Beatles music and they projected it in a different kind of music, a different yeah. part of the world. And it's magical. It's really that good. Uh, See, and I think you bring up a good point on that because I think a good cover sort of takes 
the beauty of the original, but makes it into its own song. And that's what makes the Joe Cocker version of with a little help from my friends, easily the greatest Beatles cover of all time. Because if you were going to say, well, what, what's the better, what's the better version? I don't know. Cause they're both different. You know, yeah. the Ringo version, he, he's sort of singing it. Like he's a little more aloof and you're like, is this guy an idiot? But he's, you know, he gets by with a little help from his friend. Yeah. It's ironic. Um, <laughs> and, and then the Cocker version is like, uh, I don't know. There's a lot more weight to it and it's, but it's just different. Like, you know, if I had to pick one, that's better. I don't know. I probably pick the Cocker version, but it's tough to, it's tough to say that it's better than the original because the original, they wrote it. So it's like saying a sequel is better than, than the first one. Now, Trevor, Um, notice that I didn't say if you will like it better or ask if you liked it better. I just want your take on it because I know how you are with Beatle covers. (laughs) I want you to check that out. I will. Uh, Trevor, this has been really fun. I want to do this again with you, and I'm sure we will. We'll do some Mount Rushmore's. Okay, we'll talk some yeah. more. <laughs> My boomer friends out there, isn't he great? He is not a boomer, but he gets it. He understands. Thanks to his parents. Make sure you personally thank your parents for having Absolutely. you and for <laughs> them being uh, so good to you with your upbringing. You are a fine man. Inherent Dream. Dot com is where you can find Trevor's work. The Trevor J. Brown Show, new episodes every Friday. It's worth checking out. If you're a football fan, he does football picks with Mark Stone. That alone is worth a listen. It's really good. He, those two together are, are so dynamic. You can hear Trevor on other podcasts. He was on our mutual friend, the Ed Hallback Show. And uh, he's just a great guest and, and a wonderful friend. Trevor, thanks for being on My Boomer Buddies podcast. And I want everybody out there listening to know that My Boomer Buddies podcast, you can catch us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. And we appreciate when you go on both of our platforms and you share, like, and respond favorably. It really helps us out. And I also have an email, myboomerbuddies for the number four, at gmail.com, myboomerbuddies4 at gmail.com. We want to hear comments because I want to relay your thoughts back to Trevor uh, again. Thanks, Trevor, for being on the show, and I can't wait to have you back on. Rick, thanks for the opportunity, and uh, you have a good day. You too. I really want to thank Trevor for being my guest today on my Boomer Buddies podcast. He's one of many Boomer Buddies that I've had on the show And we consider you all friends and would love for you to get in on the conversation. So go back and check some other episodes on YouTube, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and Google. I'm Rick Reed. Enjoyed having you here. And until next time, we'll see you around the block.